Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got Bernie and Sadie taking your calls as John Paul is on a break uh, for the week. So Sadie and uh, Bernie will take your calls. 1850-333-103. Text WhatsApp. They're already coming in. Uh, 0862-103-103. I will be interested in people's thoughts and comments on the Limerick Public Hymn. This is the gentleman from Newcastle West Garold Whelan who decided to open his pub yesterday morning and pubs now that don't serve food are known as wet houses and he decided yesterday morning he had been believing that his pub would be allowed to reopen on the 20th of July but then of course we know last week the decision was made that no pubs can't open on the 20th of July they're going to have to wait until the 10th of August but Garode Whelan who runs Whelan's Bar which is on Maiden Street in Newcastle West he decided yesterday and in fairness he didn't do it you know very covertly he wasn't hiding the fact that he was going to open the pub he spoke about it last week he gave everybody enough notice to say I I'm opening up my doors from as soon as the announcement was made that pubs can't open on the 20th of July. Gorod Whelan of Whelan's Bar in Newcastle West says, well, to hell with that, I'm going to open my pub. So he opened it yesterday morning at about 10 to uh, 11. He started serving pints and then by one o'clock he had a visit from two local Gardaí who told him to cease trading. They handed him a copy of the Health Act from 1947 but the Health Act from 1947 now contains uh, Section 31A which cites the temporary COVID-19 restrictions. So Gerald Murphy says, well I don't agree with this. He said, I don't see why I have to close my front doors. He said, we're not doing anything wrong. There's nothing illegal going on here. But he said, I've massive respect for the Gardaí. He said we wouldn't have a business without them so he said for that reason I've no choice but I've got to close my doors he went on to say he was disappointed he was gutted said all I wanted to do was to show that we can do this we can open a pub and we can keep everybody safe he said everyone that came in here this morning saw that we were offering a COVID safe socially distant enjoyable atmosphere 
for a couple of pints without somebody having to pay nine euro for a pizza. During the brief opening, the pub served around 50 customers. <laughs> a lot of people turned up in the two hours. They all had a few pints without any food. Uh, Mr. Whedon's mother, Pauline, she was on hand. She was helping out. She greeted customers at the door. She directed them to use a hand sanitizer. She took their name and I'm assuming a telephone number for contact tracing. She also took their temperature uh, before they were served their drinks. None of them stood at the bar. They were all told to sit down and they were served a drink. It was all at table service. And one customer from Newcastle West, a gentleman by the name of Michael Devine, said, I live in a cottage in a little village. So rural areas have been decimated. He said, the only item we... we the only outing we had before coronavirus was mass and a couple of pints in the local pub. He said farming communities have been reduced to waving at each other as we pass by in cars going in opposite directions. He said that's what rural life has been life like since lockdown occurred last March. He said, I understand the premise for it, COVID-19, but it's still unbelievable. And then the examiner today have three photographs of Garod uh, Whelan. There's one of them with a big black pint of uh, creamy Guinness. That was the first pint he pulled in four months. Then there was a photograph of Jack Wolf, one of the customers, having his temperature checked by Garo's mother, Pauline. And then the fourth photograph shows a member of Angarda Shiakona walking into the bar and closing down Whelan's pub after uh, two uh, hours. So I'm interested in your thoughts on what Garode Whelan uh, did. Was he right to go and prove that he can, in a small rural pub like that, he is able to serve, drink? Everyone was, was socially distanced, they did everything that they needed to do for contact tracing. The only thing they didn't do was serve a bowl of soup, maybe in a toasted sandwich or the pizza, as Garode Whelan uh, said. And it's it's because of the larger pubs in the city areas. And let's be honest, it was Dublin was probably the reason that they were most nervous about what was going to happen if they threw open all the doors of the pubs. And there has been that argument and that uh, that argument has been put forward that we shouldn't, when we're looking at the country, we should look at it regionally and we should look at urban areas versus rural areas. We should maybe look at Dublin separate to the rest of the country. And I know all of the rural TDs, we spoke with our own Michael Collins from West Cork. He put forward the argument that pubs should be treated differently. Pubs in urban areas should be different to pubs in rural areas. And I know the Healy Rays across the border in Kerry have been fighting quite hard to have the rural pubs opened up. Now, some would say they're in the licensed trade, so they would be, wouldn't they? But even not allowing for that, but they were saying in rural areas, people need the pub. And I think that gentleman, Michael Devine, making that point for people who live in very, very rural areas and very isolated areas, people that live on, on their own, that's all they have is their little local pub. And if the local pub isn't, isn't opened, uh, many of those are not having any human contact and haven't seen anybody in the four months except passing somebody in a car and waving as they go on by. So your thoughts on uh, Garode at Whelan. Are you with Garode in saying that, yeah, some of those pubs should be allowed to open or are you on the other side of the fence? Because I saw some commentary on social media, including some people saying that his licence should be taken away from him when he goes forward to renew his licence, which thinks happens every September, doesn't it? All publicans have to renew their licence. Uh, some, some went so far as to say he should not be allowed to renew his licence and it should be taken away from him and he should never be allowed to be a publican again. So your thoughts welcomed on Garode Whelan of Whelan's Pub in Newcastle West. 
protest. Was he right to do what he did? And as he said, his main reason, like he knew, like he, I think he knew deep down that the guards were going to come and they was going to get closed. But he wanted to open up just to show people and just to prove we can do this. We can offer a COVID safe, socially distant enjoyable atmosphere for people to come to have a couple of pints or a couple of drinks. So where do you stand on that? Your thoughts welcomed 1850 uh, 333103 or you can text our WhatsApp 0862103103 Supermarkets have seen a number of COVID-19 outbreaks around the country. Now, this is staff becoming infected with the virus. Fast food outlets have also been another place where workplaces have seen uh, outbreaks of the virus. One fast food outlet had a major outbreak that was in Kildare. Now, it has uh, come under, it's under control now, but it was deemed quite a significant outbreak. The Acting Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Roland Glynn, was speaking yesterday that as people are starting to return to work, they need to member to maintain their physical distance, especially from their work colleagues. And he makes I think a good point. He said people know their co-workers so well and while you might all start off really good and making sure that you're the two metres apart, but he fears as people get a little bit more relaxed with each other and because you know your co-workers so well, people may start to drop their guard. Now he did say that he wasn't aware of any customers in any of the shops or supermarkets getting the virus. It was only the staff. He said there's been a number of clusters in retail settings. He said they're not necessarily big clusters. In many cases, they're no more than three, four or five people. And he said, you know, it's nothing more than you would see see in an outbreak in a private house. Now, he did reference what happened at the building site in Dublin where 20 workers have tested uh, positive and that would be deemed a much bigger uh, cluster. But he said in the shops, there's a tendency to be smaller uh, clusters. And the spotlights on workplaces that are coming as GPs are expressing concern that some people are perceiving a stigma about having COVID-19 symptoms and therefore not go forward for testing. Now, we spoke when we spoke with Dr Nick Flynn yesterday, uh, we spoke about that, about the need to, for whatever reason, some people aren't going forward with their symptoms or when they do go to a doctor, if a doctor mentions that they have to get COVID-19, they're almost saying, oh, no, no, I don't I, know. I, I, did I say I have a sore throat? No, no, I don't really have a sore throat at all. It isn't that bad. That some see it as a stigma. Others are fearful, of course, if they as we spoke with, with Dr Nick yesterday, of losing out on work if they've got to stay at home for 14 days. And, and, and if we continue with that kind of mentality, we will never, we'll just continue to have more and more uh, outbreaks. Now, the good news yesterday was there wasn't any new deaths uh, reported and there was only six cases of the virus. But straight away, you have to jump in and say it was Monday and Monday's numbers are always uh, lower. Uh, Dr Glynn went on to remind all employers that the workplace and more most particularly shops, services and supermarkets are now the new front line and they're asking people to do everything that they can for the safety of the staff and for their customers. With the increase in outbreaks in the community, he's urging everyone to wear face covering in health settings and when shopping, that includes going to the supermarket and all other indoor retail uh, services. And yesterday really was the first real day 
for people out and about wearing uh, face masks. And I see Sarah Dwyer in this morning's Echo. Uh, she's done a piece showing that upwards of 90% of people in Cork City were wearing face coverings yesterday and entering shops. And she rang around a number of retailers just to find out what's happening. And that's what she was, was getting back from them, 90%. Liam Ryan, who runs the four Super Value stores in Toker, Glanmire, Grange and Kilmallock, said he had seen a change in the number of people wearing masks since uh, the weekend. And if you've been out and about yesterday, I think you would have noticed that there certainly is a big change from, say, last week. And this is, you know, we're all being told now we must wear masks. This is the new recommendation that everyone must wear masks in retail settings. Fines are not in yet. That is happening. And, you know, they're working on the legislation to bring the fines in. But I think before they get to that stage, I think we're going to get very close to seeing 100% of people. I think once once people know now, you don't go out. It's a bit like how we all got used to bringing our shopping bags with us when we go shopping. I think as you're leaving the house, when you're picking up your car keys and you're picking up your mobile phone and whatever else you bring with you when you need to go out, I think it's just going to become matter of fact. You'll pick up your face mask um, as well uh, with you. And yesterday when we spoke about face masks, somebody says, what about TDs? What about those in Dáil Éireann? They're making these rules. Are they make, Are they wearing face masks? Well, TDs and senators will be required to wear face coverings in Leinster House and in the convention uh, centre where the parliamentary sittings are happening at the moment. The new rule will apply to all Arakta staff, political employees. It will also be members of the media, all the political staff from all the radios and newspapers and television stations. If they're anywhere near Dáil Éireann or the convention centre, they will have to wear a face uh, covering. And it was an email that was sent by the Ceann Corla to everyone yesterday saying that wearing face masks can play an important part in addressing the spread of the virus. Um, and it came in from yesterday, from Monday the um, 20th everybody wearing uh, face uh, masks 1850 John not John Paul because he's away Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls so if you want to text or WhatsApp you can to 0862103103 Josephine in Ballylanders thinks that the pubs should have been allowed to reopen yesterday house parties Josephine feels are the big problem they should close the off licence there are people living alone and they need to have some company they should have let the publicans know also they should have let them know know in time before they reordered extra stock yet that did happen I mean it certainly looked like that pub that I was speaking about in Newcastle West, Gold Whelan's pub, it looked like he had all of his stock in. And then, of course, the announcement was made on Wednesday evening of last week, telling publicans that they couldn't open on uh, Monday. And that now has left pubs uh, with their stock all, already in. Um, Josephine said that publican in Newcastle West Grode Whelan. He's only trying to look after his customers and ensure a livelihood for his family and his staff as well. He brought his staff back into work. Uh, thank you for that, Josephine. And Noreen says, I agree with that man in Newcastle West opening his uh, pub. The problems we've been having with large groups congregating in pubs is a Dublin uh, issue. It's not an issue for the rest of Ireland, particularly rural areas. And Mary says she sees absolutely no difference in a pub that serves food and a pub that doesn't serve food. She's been in some of the pubs that are serving food and she said people were allowed to drink without food. They just had a knife and fork in front of them. It seems very, very unfair. But if, and the Garda Shikona have been around checking on the pubs 
and some of them have actually been closed because of it if they were caught doing that. I think there was 20 under investigation after the first weekend where the, where the Gardaí went in and realised that people weren't eating food and they were told to close uh, immediately. So pubs t- are taking a risk, Mary, when you talk of being in pubs where they clearly were not uh, serving food. Uh, certainly, I've, I haven't been out that much. I've been out a couple of times and uh, food, certainly I didn't see anybody getting drink without food. Everybody was ordering food. They say a substantial meal. It only has to be nine euro. I mean, I saw, for example, people on on social media who had chicken wings seemed to be the order of the day for a lot of people who just wanted to go out and have uh, a few drinks. And I heard of a group of young women, uh, young friend, you know, fr- friendship group who hadn't met up since lockdown and they all agreed to go out uh, recently. So they booked two venues. They went out at like six o'clock. Everybody met. They had something to eat. They had a few drinks and then they had another place booked for eight, for eight o'clock. So then they just moved on to somewhere else. So they were able to have a full night out but they still stayed under the two hours in both of the venues and that seems to be quite a common thing that is happening um, as well. 1850 Somebody says Patricia that publican should not have opened under the new guidelines that said with all the measures he took he did in fact prove that it can be done. I can't see how pubs serving food can be any safer than a pub in a rural area taking the measures that this publican Gerald Whelan took. Uh, how could it be any different or any safer? In fact, I'd feel more comfortable in his setting than in a restaurant. I think anyone that saw it on the news last night, he'd gone to great lengths. And that's what Gerald Whelan says he was trying to do. He was trying to prove this can be done. We as publicans can do this. Give us a chance. So that certainly was the the aim uh, about what he was trying to do. OK, just quickly, a couple of other texts in. Hi, Patricia, this is on the wearing of masks. Well, wearing of masks are good to protect people. But, says this listener, has anybody thought about this? What about if there was a robbery in shops and retail stores? How are the cards going to know who it is with everybody wearing masks? It's going to be much harder for the guards and God help them. Their work is hard enough at the moment. And that's signed a loyal listener. Thank you for that. Hi, silly question. There's never a silly question to this programme, can I say. A listener says, are COVID-19 tests free to everyone? The reason I ask is I only earn €130 Euro a week, so I'd think twice about having a test if I had to pay it. You know, it is absolutely free of charge. And when you ring your doctor, if you've got any signs or symptoms of COVID-19, you're triaged over the phone by a nurse who will then decide whether you need to speak to a doctor or whether you need to see a doctor. And all of that is free. You don't get charged for that either. And then the GP will arrange for you to go and have a a test and the test is uh, free as well. So please do not let that put you off uh, going with any symptoms that you may have of COVID-19. And Patricia, people travel will be more acceptable if the authorities could ensure that passengers are adhering to the quarantine guidelines on arrival into this country. Due to the disastrous consequences of many not conforming with what they've been asked to do socially isolating or quarantining themselves, a listener wonders, could tagging 
be a practical way of restricting people's movements while being a cost effective solution. A pandemic needs draconian measures for the safety of all. And if the north of Ireland would come on board, it would prevent visitors from using them as a backdoor to the south. Oh, would that turn people off coverage of this country? I wonder. But the listener makes a valid point. Draconian measures. We're in a pandemic. You know, this is the first time in 100 years we've had to face this. We have a ta- we have tagging. We know we have the technology for uh, tagging. And certainly if somebody was uh, tagged, we'd know where they were at all times and they would have to therefore restrict their movements. Would it stop people coming to the country? It probably would. And just on the travel, there was a breakdown of figures given out yesterday and it shows around one in 20 of all new cases of COVID-19 are related to uh, travel. Um, So it's only one in 20 of all of the new cases. And looking at the past 14 days, there was a total of 270 new uh, cases that was spread across 20 counties. More than half of the 270 were in the Dublin area. 10% of them were in Kildare and 6% of them was here in uh, Cork, which I think Dr Nick uh, said worked out at 10 in the last 14 days are here and that's across Cork City and County. 1850 Sadie and Bernie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Work today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 A Rochestown couple have been left dismayed by Irish Water's decision to charge them over €27,000 to install 20 metres worth of pipes to allow them to connect their new home to the wastewater mains. Edward McCormack joins me to outline uh, what's been going on. Good morning to you, Edward. Morning. I think I'm very well. I think a lot of people are going to be, their jaws going to drop when they hear this. Now, yourself and your lovely wife, Yvonne, you purchased a house late last year. Just tell me a little bit about the house and describe it to me. Yeah, sure. So the house is located on Rochetown Road and just after Clark's Hill. And we made the purchase 10 days prior to Christmas last year. And uh, after Christmas, uh, we submitted an application to Irish Water for wastewater connection. Um, the house is, was built in 1930, so it's quite old and uh, needs a lot of renovation work to bring it back to a livable standard. Um, now, both my wife and I are pumping our life savings into this house. And when we got the quotation from Irish Water last Thursday, like, we just cannot move in because we cannot afford that. Um, okay, you I, say you, you applied to Irish Water in January? Yes, that's correct. And did you only find out how much it was going to cost in July? Correct. Why, now, does it normally take that long? No, the guidelines, when we rang Irish Water prior to submitting an application, they said it would take 12 to 14 weeks for it to be completed. Now, from January 16th all the way up to the country shutdown on March 15th, I rang Irish Water every two weeks, and they kept telling me that my application was being processed and it was nearly ready to go to phase three, which was the finance and the costings of the project. But on May 27th, I got my first email from an engineer within Irish Water saying that they were starting to process my application. So for four and a half months, nothing was done. But lied. 
Uh, for whatever reason, and, and, and you've no way of knowing why. I mean, were they extremely busy? Uh, um, anyway, um, how much did you expect it to cost? Now, so we looked at the guidelines that they have on their internet uh, website, and the connection standard charges in excess of 15 metres um, are calculated with three criteria. Uh, the first is the standard connection charge up to 10 metres, which was 3929 for which they charged me. The next one is uh, 10 to 15 metres, for which is supposed to be charged at €442 Euros per metre, um, which should have come in at €2,210, Euros, but they put zero down for that. And they just did the coachable charge, which was uh, any pipe infrastructure in excess of 15 metres in length. And they charged me €15,936.51 for that. And the breakdown of that? They, they, yes, I asked for a breakdown of cost and they told me I wasn't privileged to that information. And the manhole opening is literally 20 metres from your front from your front wall, isn't it? Correct, yes. So the total cost, including road opening licence and retiring all road, it comes at €27,677.15. And you had allocated how much? How much? Ten thousand. Oh, according wow. to their website, I said the last five meters was not going to cost any more than three thousand euros. Yeah. I assume that with all the standard charges and the additional uh, charges, that that would be covering um, road road repair after the digging up. And I believe you had gas installed. What? How much did that cost you? Uh, so they installed gas last week. Uh, gas Networks Ireland. So they had to cut up the whole road, bring it all the way across the road, up through my front garden within uh, 10 feet of my house. Uh, so in total, the length was 18 metres and they charged me €249. Euros. <laughs> That's a big difference, isn't it? Yes, it's quite huge. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really angry at the moment with Irish Water because their attitude towards me is like, you know, take it or leave it. And Irish Water is saying that they will have to resurface the full lane width of the road and that that's, that's, it, that's the reason that it's so expensive. Well, that's only 7,500 they have down for that. So I'm wondering what the 19,000 is because the person after reading um, the article on Saturday contacted me from Dublin who yeah. used work for Irish Water and did this work up to a year ago. And he priced the whole uh, connection resurfacing of the road coming in at six thousand euros of cost. Yeah, That's could, what I would be it, making a euro. It, I mean, could it just be a mistake? No, they said this is not a mistake. This is what it is. Have you been able to get anyone from the council on board to help you out? Yes, um, Donna Leary's office reached out to me. The TD in our constituency yeah. sent uh, Irish Water an email. Uh, demanding a breakdown of cost. Now, I haven't heard back from him yet. It would be uh, interesting Sh- to, to see what the breakdown is. Yes, and Seamus McGrath as well, who is brother Michael McGrath, has also reached out to Irish Water um, about this. But, like, you know, the thing that really annoys me about Irish Water is when they were formed in 2013, their core principle was to provide a safe, clean and affordable water and wastewater services to water users in Ireland. So my question to senior management within Irish Water is, can they explain to me what part of my letter of offer is affordable? Uh, For me, this quotation represents a complete failure of leadership 
by senior management within Irish water to deliver on its core principle. And your alternative is what, a septic tank? Correct, yes. But this is, uh, we're supposed to be moving an hour into our house at the end of August. Well, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen now. And, you know, every party leader before the election manifesto, one of their top priorities was housing Mm. and move people out of rental accommodation and into housing, uh, get on the property ladder and affordable housing. We have done that. And we now cannot move into our house because Irish Water demanding over 27,000. And is the rest of your renovation work done at this stage or near completed? It's in progress at the moment and it's on schedule to be completed by the end of August. Now, we also have no main water, even though when we purchased the house, we have a letter from Irish Water and Cork City County Council saying that we're connected to the mains. Yeah. Uh, So when we started work on phase one of the reopening May 18th, uh, I contacted Irish Water saying that we've no water. My builder obviously needed it. Uh, they cannot find our stopcock connection on the side of the road. They think it got covered over when the paths were redone. So we're being without mains water for eight weeks now. Oh. And we've been using our neighbour's water so that we could progress our building work. Wow, you, you really are in a bit of a nightmare. Uh, it's it's just absolutely shocking. Listen, we'll stay in contact uh, with you, uh, Edward. I'd be really interested to see when the TDs get involved, uh, particularly to get a breakdown of exactly how, who came up with this figure and how they came up with a figure of 27, over 27,500. Absolutely. And I think I'm entitled to a breakdown of cost yeah. because Irish Water received 1.1 billion from the government last year so that's taxpayers' money, and I'm a taxpayer. Well, and but if you were dealing, if you were dealing with any business, private, public, it doesn't make a difference. If you're paying for a service, you want to know why it's costing, uh, and and what the breakdown is. And and I'm interested now to hear from any other listeners. Anybody else faced or come up against the dilemma that Edward and his wife find themselves in? Listen, you mind yourself, Edward, and we'll stay in contact with you. And thanks, uh, very much thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye, Edward bye-bye. McCormick there from uh, Rochester. I'm trying to do it all by the book trying to do it all right all of their life savings doing up this buying this doer up or doing it up and then being faced with that bill of 27,500 euro to connect to the waste water mains anybody else heard of a bill that high from Irish Water before 1850 333 103 Bernie and Sadie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 Now, the huge cost of raising a baby from birth to their first birthday has been laid bare in new research conducted by the Baby Doc Club, which is an online parenting community. Joining me to discuss the survey, uh, Laura Erskine of the Baby Doc Club. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning. Uh, you're, You're very welcome. You've calculated that the first year of life can cost over 10 thousand euro. Does that include childcare, which obviously we all already know is very expensive? It does. So what we did is we surveyed 1,450 first-time mums and dads in our Baby Doc Club community. And we asked them how much they, was the average spend across 12 universal categories. And one of those was childcare. So we looked at everything from baby travel, baby furniture, baby feeding, nappies, skincare, clothing, home safety. Um, and then we asked 
them if they were in full-time employment, what was the average spend on childcare? So when you break but in the out, but in the first year of life, there wouldn't be a full year of childcare. No, there is not. You're right. So uh, what we calculated was uh, after maternity leave and paternity leave that dad might take, uh, there was still a remaining 22 weeks of childcare required for full-time working parents. And so the cost of the childcare on average nationally was €4,470. And that's because there's a premium sometimes added on to babies who are under 12 months who go into childcare. And that's because the number of carers required per child, the ratio is one carer to three children, whereas over 12 months is one carer to five children. Yeah, yeah, it's more expensive in the in the, in the baby room. And actually, do, did you find out our parents worry then about the cost of childcare up to when their little ones start school? Absolutely. It was actually their, their biggest financial concern over the next five years for 70% of parents was the cost of childcare and so much so that our baby doc club parents are saying that they're limiting their family to two children because they just feel that they couldn't manage to have more with those high costs. And then there are other elements then when we looked at that 10 and a half grand spend in the first year of baby's life. So childcare was 4,470 but the other 6,000 euro that was everything from the baby's furniture baby's bottoms they go through two and a half thousand nappies with sleep <laughs> in the first 12 months of life <laughs> okay and looking at the the I mean the big ticket items I take it the pram the cot the car seat is, are they the big ticket items absolutely so the cost of, of baby's travel system so that's it their buggy their car seat the average spend for over half of parents on those items was over a thousand euro. The next biggest bill was baby's nursery furniture, with four and ten parents spending between five hundred to a thousand euro on cot cribs, baby wardrobes, changing stations, rocking chairs. I mean, really, these are first-time parents who just want everything to be perfect. But we'd recommend in the Baby Doc Club community that parents just, you know, they're sensible in their approach to having their baby, that they try not to get overwhelmed. And that's why we've produced a Baby Doc Club basics guide, which gives parents a preview of what to expect, a list of what they actually need, and then some advice to help them make some of those purchase decisions. Because some of those items, like the buggy, will last them for a good three or four years, and then other items baby might grow out of needing in sort of two to three months so you know yeah and interesting you say what they what they actually need in the excitement of having a first baby you can buy things that you may never use absolutely and we can all get uh you know excited by the idea that uh you know we have a baby swing that connects with our wi-fi our bluetooth our spotify playlist mimics the sounds of the ocean the motion of the car promises to deliver you know, hours and hours of, of soothing baby music that will lull your baby to sleep. And you know what? When you're when you're so emotional and hormonal, it's very easy to make purchase decisions um, <laughs> like that that promise to make a parent's life easier. <laughs> and what about do do parents borrow items? Or what about buying second hand? Does does that feature on first time babies? 
Absolutely. And and a lot of our parents were very happy to buy some items secondhand. Well done. Some that they wouldn't. Um, so the items they were happy to buy secondhand were things like toys and developmental aids, uh, clothing in particular, because baby goes through uh, three-month intervals of clothing sizes in the first 12 months, not to three, all the way up to nine to 12 months. So a lot of those items are very gently worn or gently used. And so getting those, either buying them secondhand or borrowing uh, items like swings and, and bouncers uh, that have such a short life from friends were, were definitely high on the priority list for the, our parents. But then there are some items that you wouldn't buy secondhand. And baby's car seat was, was a big one for 89% of parents who said that they would buy that new. And that's because of the risk that maybe a car seat could have been mishandled and mm. might have been in a previous accident. And we don't want to compromise on baby's safety. And then the other item, while we were happy to get a loan of Moses baskets and, and to get secondhand costs, we would buy the mattress new. And that's because of the increased risk of getting a secondhand mattress. It might have lost some of its firm, firmness. And then there is a risk of sudden infant death syndrome increases in that case. Yeah, yeah, that's all, all very obvious as to reasons why people would only go for new. And then, I mean, if it is if it is a first baby, first time baby, there'll be lots of excited grannies and granddads and lots of excited aunts and uncles. So p- presents will be bought. Of course, and, and that's the thing. You know, gifts from grandparents in particular helped over a quarter of parents when it came to procuring those baby basics. And, and actually, those big ticket items like the rocking chair that you really want that might cost two or three hundred euro, or the baby's buggy, grandparents are great for contributing to those items. And then also, if you think about it, there's a big tr- trend here in Ireland now with baby showers. And so if you ask your friends, uh, that maybe that you're you're saving up for something in particular that you really want for your baby, and whether that's nursery furniture or the buggy or the car seat, that maybe they might gift you that rather than everybody buying a baby grow and a cuddly toy for the baby. So much so that the baby will never get around to wearing everything and cuddling yeah. everything. And there isn't a parent out there that didn't get a load of baby clothes that the child never never put on their back. Brand new. Absolutely. Uh, And then there are certain items that you definitely will buy new that you'll actually pass down from parent, from, you know, sibling to sibling. Uh, And and those include things like the cost, uh, things like the the baby's sleeping bag that, you know, if you buy a good quality one, they will last for for years and go through many children. And and I suppose that's the difference in trying to to buy quality for, for some items that you know the child will use time and time again. And then, um, you know, hopefully get gifts of, of some of those more um, frivolous items that you, you might uh, you might just think look cute in the nursery. OK, and you're, you're saying for for, for first time mums uh, and dads, uh, they can go to is it, is it your Facebook page or your? your yes, we're on social media in, in the main. So we have um, lots of, of baby uh, parenting advice, money saving advice and indeed on our social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook. We actually, we produce videos once a week and we tell you where nappies and baby wipes are, are on special offers so parents can, can make sure to get the best value every week. Well done. We also have produced a, a baby doc basics guide and you can download that from our website. Do you feel for the mums who had their babies during lockdown, Laura? Absolutely. I think that it has been such a difficult time and in particular that they haven't been able to network and have the support of those mum and baby groups that so many mums meet, uh, you know, 
peers in their neighbourhood that maybe, you know, when you're a working parent, you don't know your neighbours, you don't know everybody in the area who might have a baby at a similar age to you. And it's that sort of support from other parents who are living the same sort of of experience as you that is so important when you're a first-time parent, just to ask those basic questions around, you know, getting the latch right for breastfeeding, helping a colicky baby, and that sort of peer-to-peer advice and support is invaluable. And I'd encourage anybody who, who did have a baby during lockdown to try and reach out now in a virtual world. Uh, and we have a Baby Doc Club private group on Facebook where you can ask questions, you can, you can even organise, you know, small meetups with other new moms in your area too. Yeah, and I really felt for those whose maybe main support, like their own mothers or their own sisters, if they lived away from home and they were under, you know, the two kilometres, then they went to the five kilometres. I mean, many grandparents didn't get to see a much loved new grandchild for many, many months. That's right. And it's so hard. And all you want to do when you have a bring a new baby in the world is, is to share them with with your friends and family uh, and, and of course lean on them to help you um, in those hours where you might just need to grab a shower or, or cook something to, for yourself to eat instead of always putting baby first and, and that was very difficult um, and you know I think that the the idea that, that they've now decided to extend the maternity leave by adding another three weeks of parents leave which will come in in November I think the government could have done a little bit more in that regard they should have activated that now for parents who are having to return from maternity leave and really they haven't had the same sort of experience that they should have had uh, in terms of that support and, uh, of friends and family and even those newborn groups and basic things like getting out and getting vaccinations, all of that. Um, so I think that the government need to, do, need to do a little bit more in terms of supporting parents who are now looking at returning to, to work after maternity leave and even in terms of organising childcare. Lots of crashes were closed during this time and they haven't even been able to get their children's names down in places. Yeah. So this is a big concern for, for yeah, parents who had babies during lockdown. It's been tough. And just on the cost of baby, a listener says, before my grandchild was born, my daughter ordered everything but left them all ordered in one shop then my family all got to pay off whatever they wanted to buy in the shop so it cost my daughter very little and then she had everything that she needed with the whole family joining in to pay for it well done well done that was a sensible move okay listen Laura we leave it there thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning Thank you. Good morning. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Laura Erskine there of the Baby Dock Club. 1850 We're going to take a break. Some of your calls and texts coming into the program. Before we get to those, though, a letter that I received uh, this morning that says, uh, Dear Patricia, we are a group of parents with special needs adults who attend St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville. Now, we appreciate the difficulty that St. Joseph's Foundation have with social distancing and the resumption of services. But we're extremely worried that our adult sons and daughters are regressing due to being at home now for the past four months and they now need motivation and routine. Residential services seem to be availing of services as seen on the Vale Star but day services and shared care are now non-existent. A small number of services users are provided with home support. We are the voice of these adults and are extremely stressed from this situation as we're not getting enough support from the service. We hope you can air our concerns because it's a very serious issue for these adults and for their parents and carers and that signed concerned parents of St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville who I think are probably speaking on behalf of all the other services in the area who provide daycare services that 
stopped back in the middle of March and are still not back up and running. Now, I know all of the services like St. Joseph's Foundation, COPE uh, Foundation, Enable Ireland, uh, Co-Action in West Cork, they're all trying to do putting procedures in place so that uh, day services can resume. But I think, you know, for the parents and the carers, the stress levels and the burnout that people are experiencing and there just seems to be no end in sight to it. And I think there's also an understanding and a knowledge that when services, whenever they do resume, which is, let's be honest, it's going to be at least August, if not September, before they're back up and running, it's not going to be anything like the service that was there when they closed in March. You know, you worry is it going? It's, it's certainly not going to be. I think a five-day service. There's talks of the transportation for a lot of the service providers that they might be able to provide transport if they have to do the two metre social distancing. What's that going to mean if the bus doesn't come to collect? the young people that need to attend these services. There's just so many question marks. But listen, just to let you know that I saw Michael Moynihan, Deputy Michael Moynihan from uh, Cork uh, Northwest. I saw him speak in the Dáil last week. I saw a video copy of it. He brought up this issue of daycare services for adults with special needs. He brought it up in the doll last week and he actually, funny enough, he cited St. Joseph's Foundation because St. Joseph's Foundation obviously would be in Deputy Michael Moynihan's area. Uh, so we've put a call through to him and he's available and he's going to talk with us tomorrow on the programme. So we'll, I mention it today because I just want to give advanced warning to people to make sure that they've tuned in. It'll be about, it'll be after 11, probably about 20 past, half past 11 tomorrow. We'll speak with Deputy Michael Moynihan because I'm interested to know how he got on when he raised it in the doll and what is he hearing and, you know, what's he hearing on the ground as to what's happening because obviously he's hearing from a lot of very stressed out parents who are very, very worried about their adult sons and daughters who, as that letter said, are regressing because and they need motivation and they need routine and they need to get back into their daycare services and what are those daycare services going to look like. So we'll we'll certainly uh, look at that and address that tomorrow on the programme. But just to let that listener know that letter arrived uh, today. But as I say, we'll be looking at it in more detail tomorrow. Now, some more of your thoughts and comments coming in. Sandra says, on this beautiful day, and it is a beautiful day, long way at last, could you remind walkers and especially joggers who wear headphones on public roads that they should be facing the oncoming traffic. I just passed three joggers who were oblivious to the fact that there were three cars coming up behind them on what was a very narrow, bendy West Cork rural road. They're putting themselves at risk as well as us, the drivers, even though we're all driving very slowly as the road dictates. Thanking you, says Sandra. And the real worry there when Sandra, you know, you can almost in your mind visualise that narrow, bendy rural road and you know even though you're driving slowly you come around one of the bends and suddenly you're met with somebody who's jogging who's got headphones in completely oblivious that a car has just come around the bend uh, behind them so it can be a uh, nerve wracking for the drivers for sure so to all walkers and joggers please you know we want you to 
course we want to encourage you to go out and get your exercise and to enjoy this uh, fine weather but if you're doing it you do you need to be facing oncoming traffic and if for whatever reason you decide not to be facing oncoming coming traffic then it is really silly to be doing it wearing headphones when you've no idea what's coming around the corner behind you at least if you could hear a car coming you'd be able to stand in in some way thank you for that uh, Sandra and hopefully you're enjoying this fine weather as well now on the gentleman that we mentioned, Gorod Whelan from Newcastle West and the pub in Newcastle West, a North Cork man says, Patricia, that Newcastle West man uh, is right. Close the off licences. There are too many house parties going on at the moment and that's what we need to do. Get rid of the house parties, open up the pubs. Actually, I can't I'm surprised at the number of people who are now contacting us saying they're very much in favour of pubs reopening. John in Mallow, in the Mallow area, says he goes for a walk every evening and he passes quite a few pubs. This is when the pubs were open. He said the very most that before or five in each of the pubs at night before the virus. These are the pubs that should be allowed to open. But politicians only make decisions and they only think of uh, Dublin. It's almost like the world stops at the Red Cow roundabout and there are many low small rural pubs that wouldn't have large crowds in it and they are the ones that should be allowed to reopen. I'm surprised at the number of people that are airing towards that side of pubs and the need for pubs and the pubs should actually uh, reopen. And I mentioned earlier when we were talking about people, international travel and we still have tourists coming into this country and how people are worried about it and that we need to restrict people's movements and particularly when we're hearing of Americans coming over and they're not self-isolating as they're meant to be doing. They're not quarantining in any way. And even though when you look at the figures, the recent figures, there was only one in 20 that was related to travel or related to somebody who came into this country from another country. People are still worried about the number of tourists that are out and about. And somebody had suggested that if we did electronic tagging on these people. So if somebody was coming to this country, they would have to agree we'll put an electronic tag on you, which must remain in place for 14 days. If after the 14 days you don't have COVID, and then we'll take the tag off and you can go about your merry way. And I said, surely if we introduce that in this country, it would turn people off coming to this country. Well, a listener says, Patricia, if electronic tagging reduces the number of potential visitors to this country, then it would have achieved its objective. Nobody wants to encourage tourists who are not prepared to uh, quarantine. 1850 at 333-103. Uh, Marie says, Patricia, I think Michal Martin should self-isolate when he comes back from Brussels. I think there has been mixed messages around this and that he needs to and we were told and as we mentioned this yesterday he is a government minister and he doesn't need to uh, self-isolate and self-quarantine even though we have been told that he will have a COVID-19 test when he comes back and I'm assuming he will self-isolate or restrict his movements until the result of the test uh, comes back in and that that was from Marie who also says I hope this message finds you well it does uh, Marie Marie says I was in a shop yesterday and there was only a few people wearing a mask. God, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that because then we're hearing from others to say they were out and about and they couldn't get over the number of people who were, were wearing masks. The listener says, if you're just running into a shop, you know, just to pick up the paper, do you have to wear a mask? Uh, yeah. I mean, listening to 
what Mingol Martin said last week when he introduced it. Now, again, you can't be fined at the moment, but we know the fines are coming down the line and they're going to be fines. I don't know if they're going to be as high as they are. It's two and a half thousand euro if you get taken off a bus or a train because you're refusing to wear a mask. I don't know if there's going to be as high as that for people out in retail areas, but there certainly will be a fine. There will be a a penalty. But in the meantime, they're just saying to people, while you're waiting for the penalties to come in, you still have to wear a mask. And it's all retail outlets. It's your supermarkets, it's your shopping centres, popping in for the paper, popping in to buy a litre of milk, whatever it is. Yet we're all being asked to uh, wear a, a mask. And then Alyssa says, Morning Patricia, I have tried to wear a face mask and I find, I find that I can't. But it's not going to stop me going out. I have chronic asthma, so wearing a mask is not for me. And since Micheál Martin made the announcement last week that it will be mandatory for everybody to wear masks, there isn't a day goes by, I think, that we haven't had a text or a call in similar to that listener saying, I can't wear a mask. And people give a list of reasons, be it that they're chronic asthmatic. We've heard people with COPD and people who are relying on oxygen and they simply say they can't uh, wear a mask. Now, I'm assuming for those people, because rather than get fined, they're going to have to prove that they can't wear the mask. So I'm assuming the doctors are going to have to start issuing letters to people who can and can't uh, wear masks. What we are going to do in the meantime, just to try to get some clarity on this, we're going to get on to the Asthma Society of Ireland to ask them if they'll join us. Just to talk about somebody, a chronic, like our listener there, chronic asthmatic. What does a chronic asthmatic do? when we're now being told that it is mandatory to wear masks while out in public. What does a chronic asthmatic do if they need to travel on a train, they need to travel on any kind of public transport, on a bus, for example? Is is a letter from a GP, is that sufficient? Is that being recognised by the bus driver, by the inspector on the train? Will it be recognised in shops? So leave that with us and we'll see if we can get somebody from the Asthma Society to join us at some stage this week on the programme. Hi, Patricia. When we were speaking about COVID-19 tests and there isn't a charge uh, for it, your GP will arrange it and then you head off to get the test. The listener saying, why can't the GPs do the tests uh, in their own surgeries? I don't know if that was ever suggested. I, I, one of the reasons I would straight away think about it is they would have to, if you're testing somebody for COVID-19, when I went and had my test um, uh, the week before last I sat in the car it was the drive-through one that they do I think they're all are they all nearly done like that on, a, on the drive-through situation I did it at the race course out in uh, Mallow I suppose if they start opening up doctors' surgeries you run the risk then of people going in with cause obviously it's people who are going in with symptoms now the majority of people going forward for testing, like myself, thank God, we didn't. I don't have, and people don't have uh, COVID nineteen. But obviously, they're picking up. It's it's less than five percent, isn't it, of people actually have COVID nineteen that are being uh, tested. The danger is if you start doing the tests inside in the surgery, then you're bringing people in who have COVID nineteen into the surgery, and that's the one thing that they don't want to do. Because even now, when you ring your GP and you tell them your symptoms over the phone. If they in any way think that you might be suspected of having COVID-19, that it's not the surgery you go. In my case, I went to what was like a, a, a blue cube. <laughs> it's like um, like a shed, for want of a better word. I don't know how else you would uh, describe it. And it was out at the back of 
where my doctor's surgery is and I had to drive up around the back, sit in my car, wait in my car, phone them and tell them I was there and then I got a call or a text saying it's your turn now and you, and you go in and the door was open in this cube. Windows were wide open so it was well ventilated and obviously the doctor then that came in and examined me had all of the PPE gear on took a look at me, talked through my symptoms, says, yes, I needed to go forward for a COVID uh, test. And then I left. Appointment was made. And then the following day, I went for my test. So I wasn't actually in the doctor's surgery. And I can understand why that would happen. They don't want people coming in then. And then you obviously spread COVID-19 to other people and other people medically vulnerable because they're at the doctor so I, so I suppose that's the main reason why, you, why it's never going to happen uh, inside in a doctor's uh, surgery. Audrey is wondering on the people that are contacting us with all their different reasons as to why they can't wear face masks and in the main it seems to be people who suffer from asthma. Uh, Audrey saying why can't these people wear face shields and wear a face visor instead? Yeah and I'm hoping when we get somebody from the Asthma Society on uh, Audrey giving advice I'm assuming that that's what they're going to say that if you can can't physically wear for breathing difficulties you can't wear the face mask then I'm assuming they're going to say the next best thing for you would be to wear a face visor as I say we'll get on to the Asthma Society and we'll see how we get on uh, with that 1850 at 333-103 just give me one more WhatsApp for you Micah says Patricia it's a great day for Ireland all round uh, with a positive outlook on a vaccine for COVID-19 being found even though we're in the very early stages hopefully by 2022 fingers crossed and with the help of the Almighty, the present find will become a reality. Until then, we carry on with the same precautions. Secondly, it is a great day for Ireland and Europe that our seven-year budget was passed This is at the EU with a lot of commentators believing that that could not be done without the involvement of great... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Britain. Once again, they were proven wrong. So it's onwards and upwards we go, says Michael. The negotiations in the coming week will be interesting. So we'll have to watch this space. We will indeed. And it's good to see you with such a positive attitude on a lovely sunny Tuesday morning, uh, Michael. Long may that continue. And you are right about the vaccine. I've been, I constantly am scanning the internet and newspapers and any trade magazines I can get to get as much positive information on vaccines. And the latest on vaccines, Michael is right, is very, very positive. It's the coronavirus vaccine developed by the University of Oxford. Now it appears safe and it triggers an immune response. The latest public, the latest details about it is in the Lancet, which is the, the medical journal. Uh, the trials have involved over 1,000 people and it showed the injection led to them making antibodies and T-cells and their antibodies and T-cells that will go on to fight the uh, coronavirus. The UK are so convinced that this Oxford vaccine is going to work that they've already ordered one million doses of the Oxford vaccine. Now, Ireland, what are Ireland's chances of securing enough uh, a vaccine? Well, Dr. Roland Glynn, the acting chief medical officer, was asked about this yesterday and he said... Ireland has partnered with other European countries and the reason for that when we, when we go to buy our vaccine it helps to boost the purchasing power so we're all in with Europe and a huge order then will go in with whichever company starts making the vaccine but a huge order will go in and then each individual com- country within the EU then will get their own allocation of the vaccine. And commenting on the Oxford vaccine results, Kingston Mills, and Kingston Mills is a professor of experimental immunology at immunology at uh, Trinity College and he's one, Kingston Mills is one of the real experts on the, and he's been following the vaccines very, very careful. Carefully, he says that what's happening in Oxford he said very encouraging, but he said even if it is successful and it's looking like it it will be successful, he says it'll be well into next year before we reach large production. But at least every single day they are getting a step closer and a step closer. And really from day one, the, the trials that are going on at Oxford University, they've been really at the forefront of it and they're the ones that seem to be having success after success after success. So they're the ones, if I was a gambling person, I'd be putting my money on that the first vaccine is going to come out of uh, Oxford. Now, there is a test. The, the test of another possible vaccine in China has also concluded they're coming back with some positive results as well. And they're saying that their one is safe and it did induce an immune response. Because, of course, the main thing is, of course, that has to induce this immune response and it has to be able to build antibodies, make antibodies and, and that the T cells then can go on to fight the coronavirus. But obviously, on the other hand, it has to be safe. No one's going to use a vaccine until they're guaranteed that it is, is safe. So certainly good, good news. Keep the prayers going and keep the positivity going that that vaccine will be here sooner rather than later. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text to WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. A person is wanted for milking that's in the Kanturk area while a child care manager is required for Jemina. The job starts at the end of August. A bartender is required to work in Mallow. Full bar responsibilities which will include opening and closing the premises. And a child manager wanted to look after children in their own home. It's in the Kanturk area. 
previous experience and references would be desirable. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And just by the way, on the Irish water story that we did uh, earlier with uh, Edward McCormick and his wife who got that bill for over €27,000 to try to connect to the waste uh, water mains and they can't get a breakdown from Irish water. John in Butterfield feels that Irish water have no right to say that Edward and his wife are not entitled to a breakdown of costs. If you're paying for any service, then you have a right to the breakdown of the costs, whether it's a public company or a private company. Everyone, you have a right to know what you're actually paying for and why it costs so much. So John uh, in Botswana was kind of shocked to hear Edward's uh, story, as indeed were a lot of people. We'll keep a close eye on this story and if we get any update on it, we will bring it to you. Now, a Childline volunteer here in Cork has revealed that she received calls from children during their parents' lockdown parties in the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Megan Sarrell is from the Cork branch of Childline and uh, Megan joins me. Good morning to you, Megan. Good morning. Uh, and, uh, well, I'm very well and you're welcome uh, to the programme. So what did some of the children tell you was going on in their houses and, and, and why did they call you? Um, I suppose during the, the lockdown in particular, it was a really stressful time for children. Um, you know, it was or out of the ordinary for them. You know, they weren't going to, to school every day um, and they were seeing an awful lot more at home that might have been hidden when kids do go off to school in the morning um, or, you know, being able to see, see extended family members at the weekend. Um, there was an awful lot being hid um, behind the scenes that was very prevalent to kids nowadays. Um, I suppose drugs and alcohol um, was a massive um, issue for children and just being worried about the amount of stress that was going on at home for parents. And of course, we know, unfortunately, alcohol and of course, drugs as well can bring out the worst in some parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of the times where parents might have, you know, gone out to pubs or out to social settings with friends, you know, kids might not necessarily have seen those behind the scenes because they could have been at grandparents' house at weekends or, you know, at the safety of a, a babysitter. Whereas at the moment, you know, everybody is at home, everybody is. Um, aware of what's going on and kids do pick up on things that you might not realise that they do Um, and young people in particular you know we had an awful lot of calls for kids that were really worried about parties that were going on at home or you know parents were gone out to other people's houses purely just um, out of fear you know of what would happen when they did come home. God help them God and did you see an increase in calls during lockdown Megan? Yeah, absolutely. So from the week ending the 15th of March when schools closed, right up until I suppose kind of the 28th of June when society started to open up again, um, we saw a massive increase in all of our services. So whether it be phone calls, the text, the online, um, and also access to our Chiline website, um, was there a 100% kind of increase over that? So we had 72,000 contacts um, between those three months um, from children either ringing or texting or online to us. And of course, they, during lockdown, we heard from grandparents who were mm-hmm. desperately missing their grandchildren, much loved yeah. um, grandchildren. But of course, the flip side of that is children were missing their much loved mm-hmm. grandparents. 
Yeah, and you know what, Patricia, that was a massive um, amount of calls that we got from children really worried about grandparents. They were hearing about grandparents passing away. They were hearing about other friends. They were hearing about, you know, the big increase in deaths in older people and the scare the scare that all young people got around grandparents passing away and not being able to visit them, you know. And a lot of our children that were contacting us were just really upset because they couldn't see granny and granddad after school, you know. A lot of children in Ireland get collected by grandparents mm-hmm. after school and that massive, massive gap in their lives, you know. And it, it, I think it wouldn't have made much of a difference them if it was only a couple of days or, you know, they all go on holidays and all school terms where they don't get to maybe have that contact every single day. But I suppose it was going on and on and on and, yeah, they were extremely, extremely upset over it. And then the whole worry about COVID-19, because I remember we were contacted by a a parent who was saying her little one was just became obsessed with COVID-19 to the point that they started to turn the news off because she just Mm -hmm. she wanted to know everything that was going on um, and that she was catastrophizing everything because of Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, nowadays children have an awful lot more access to internet. They have an awful lot more access to you know, phones to what's going on in social media. And whether it was a celebrity or whether it was, you know, the sport or whether it was arts or whatever young people are into, it was all COVID-19. You know, there was no kind of new music coming out. There was no new films. There was, you know, everything was put on hold. So there was no escape from it. And I think with young people who have anxieties, who are stressed, who, you know, do find the pressures in society today extremely hard, this was just an added bonus that, you know, everything else that was going on for them didn't stop during this. And then adding this in as well, they saw worries of parents, parents losing jobs, um, you know, not being able to, to keep up with regular routines. It was extremely stressful time for children. And, I, you know, we in Childline feel that it's really important for the child to have a voice. So we hope that, you know, Childline was there for them um, and they did use it as, as much as they could. Well done, well done. And you know, it was a novelty at the start that when the schools closed, but I mean, yeah. no, nobody could have predicted back in the middle of March that the schools weren't going to reopen until September. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of children that, you know, rang us were extremely happy. Those for, that, that Thursday that Leo Radker made the announcement, you know, kids that rang that night were like, woohoo, you know, we have two weeks off, this is great. You know, then we'll have Easter and we have a month off school. But I think once they kind of hit home that, you know, we're actually not going back to school anytime soon. And this is really serious and parents are worried. We're not going to be able to go to football practice. We're not going to be able to go to dance. We're not going to, you know, see our friends for the next couple of weeks or months. And then it was hitting the summer. I, I do think kids really, really were unsure and confused and were really, really in the heights of it, I suppose, really, you know, that, that kind of Eastery time, that March, April and the start of May, when there kind of didn't seem too much light at the end of the tunnel, children were extremely frightened. Yeah, God help them. Um, and we're all, you know, we all talk about people who are suffering because of the pandemic and I think a lot of focus went on older people and obviously mm-hmm. a lot of focus went on nursing homes and, and only rightly rightly so. But it's yeah. almost like, Megan, the children are the, the hidden victims of, of the pandemic in some cases. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we saw a massive increase in domestic abuse, um, around drugs and alcohol at home and the usage of it. And, you know, children were at the, the hand of a lot of that. Um, and 
you know, even bullying, you know, things that you kind of go, oh, you know, a lot of bullying goes on in schools. Bullying doesn't stop when kids go home anymore. So, you know, there was a lot of issues still that were going on for kids that didn't stop just because of the pandemic. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of issues for children that were still going on in the background and then they were adding new pressures as well. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot going on for kids. Yeah, I was only reading on on the, the going through the papers this morning, reading a, a, a case. I think it was in in Ennis of a woman who had to go to get a court order to evict her husband from the from the, their family home, um, and he had he's, obviously he's suffering from alcohol addiction or something. But it was the eleven year old daughter's pocket money. He was trying to take it for drink, and the mother was trying to stop him, and uh, and it got very violent in front of the child. And it, uh, just the fear factor for that little eleven year old girl, and it was her dad against her mother. It was. Just just, and it, it struck me because I knew I was going to be talking with you today. You, yeah. Nobody knows what goes on behind uh, closed doors. And during lockdown, as you say, children faced up to stuff that in, in the normal run of the mill, they may not have seen before because it was kept yeah. from them. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, that, that story there that you just said, you know, there are calls and cases that we get, you know, very often in Thailand where where you do have kids who are battling between mom and dad and, you know, fear factor. And, you know, unfortunately, in the middle of this pandemic, you know, life at home didn't stop, even though it was a fantastic time for the majority of families in Ireland. And, you know, majority of families came closer. They were able to, you know, get back outdoors together, you know, sit down and play board games. But that's not the case in every single household. Yeah. Okay, and um, Megan, obviously your fundraising hugely impacted due to COVID-19. Yeah, absolutely. So we would have had an awful lot of um, fundraising events, you know, out on the streets. Um, and also during the summer, you know, all the concerts, um, MDC, you know, did an awful lot of promotion with us. Um, and even concerts that would have been on, all our volunteers would have been at those, um, selling different ponchos and different um, you know, bits and pieces during the, the show. So our fundraising got cut massively. Um, we're very lucky that we have a really, really good following of, um, you know, supporters to Chiline. So Brilliant. If, if, if we can keep up the funding, it would be absolutely fantastic. You know, we are the only 24-hour service for children in Ireland and when we get very little government funding. So we do heavily support on the public. So you know, thank you so much for everybody that does support us and um, we very much appreciate it to, to keep it open for kids 24 hours a day. Well done, well done. Uh, keep up the, you do fantastic work at uh, Child and Megan and uh, we thank appreciate you. you taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you for that. Oh, no problem. Thank you so Good much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. 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 Megan Sarrell there, who is one of the, is a volunteer with the Cork branch of uh, Child Line, who saw throughout the lockdown, and I imagine it will probably continue into the summer months, seeing an increase in calls from children who just need to talk to somebody. 1850 Sadie and Bernie are taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. E103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103. Now, Scruffy's Pet Shop, they're based in Dunmanway. They're looking for volunteers to pose for their 2021 calendar. Now, you don't need to be a professional model, but you will need to pose naked with a pet of your choice. Lyndon Forsyth of Scruffy's Pet Store uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Lyndon. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, you're welcome to the, to the programme. Have you put together a naked calendar before? 
No, not previously. Um, I, I think it's the boredom of uh, COVID sitting around um, inspired us. Um, we don't see a lot of um, fundraising going on locally, so um, we were just thinking a little, little bit outside the box, um, as the man would say. So. And what charities do you hope will benefit? So what we're looking to do, uh, we're looking for uh, 11 local or West Cork charities. Um, it can be animal-based um, or GA-based or soccer-based, whatever you want to do. Um, there's no opportunity there at the moment for, for fundraising for any club um, because they're not really active. Um, so I think it would be a great opportunity to raise some funds, have a little bit of fun as well at the same time. So, so what do professional posers need to do to get involved? If you just contact us on um, 085-875-7633 or if you give us a show on our um, Facebook page, um, there's no problem. All shapes and sizes are welcome, including <laughs> myself. I wouldn't be of the, the smallest of sizes. So. <laughs> now, you're, you've, you're looking for 11 different people or groups of people to come forward to represent whatever their, their, their charity is. And the idea is you'll split... Is it you'll split whatever you make from the calendar? So what will happen is we, we cover the cost basically of printing the calendar and doing the photo shoot and having a bit of fun doing it. Um, and then we'll donate to one charity of our choice. Um, and then the other 11 sections will be split between the various clubs. And it's up to themselves then basically to sell the calendar. Oh, great. Um, and they get the proceeds from the calendar. They, they can donate to who they wish. That's a great, and we all need a calendar. Everybody needs to buy we a calendar. We all need a calendar. I think this will be a very interesting calendar. <laughs> so it's you're looking for 11, and obviously there's 12 months in the year. One yes. one month will be scruffies, is it? One month will be scruffies. Um, I'm not saying myself, not I'm, I'm a bit on the broad side. Um, <laughs> <but, laughs> we we'll get a wide-angled lens, don't worry a about it. I think uh, it's your suggestion you should be up there up front. <laughs> <laughs> But we're looking, we're looking to fill the other 11, hopefully. Um, it, it, it'll just have, to have a bit of fun, basically. Um, and if you're raising money for charity as well, it'll be, um, it'll be good, you know. There's a lot of West Cork annual charities as well. There is, and some um, brilliant ones. GA clubs and soccer clubs. Any, any, any type club, basically, um, that wants to raise money. It's not an issue, you know. Who, when and where will the actual photographs be taken? That's to be decided, yes, but I, I'm thinking probably uh, middle of September late September um, we hope to get the weather in first because some of them will be taken outside with horses and cows etc um, so we look for the fine weather in case anything would shrivel or anything like that and uh, so. a, 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 a secluded location a secluded location all above board <laughs> and we yeah. we won't be broadcasting in advance where the location is because we don't want paparazzis turning up taking photographs with no 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 we wouldn't have well we're we're, we're already trying to talk about who who would we put forward the argument is already underway i can tell you what kind of a reaction Lyndon, have you been getting to date very good, very good. Um, we've had uh, five clubs signed up so far. Great. Um, Auto Celtic being one, and, and then we have um, four other people have signed up. Um, they're deciding on which charity they give to. Okay. Um, so they're individuals, but it's open to clubs all around West Cork. Um, there's no issue whatsoever with anybody. Um, and as I say, it's just a bit of fun to cheer us up in the, in the middle of all the, the COVID crisis. So. And you've put up some pictures on your Facebook page. Where, what? We have. That was, a, that was a bit of a struggle. Where did you get those pictures? 
we, we googled them basically um, <laughs> so that would have come from a calendar that was shot in Cambridge um, uh, many years ago it was a rowing club I think in Cambridge that did it um, but they raised the best part of nearly 100,000 euro based on the calendar and they're very um, tastefully taken the photographs aren't they? Everything, uh, there'll be no exposure of any parts. <laughs> well, I'm looking that. at a few bare bums, but other than that, everything else is covered up beautifully. Yes, it, it's something you could, you could hang anywhere. Um, it, it's not something that you'd be ashamed of coming down the line or anything. It'll be a professional photographer and everything be absolutely above board. So it's just basically a little bit of fun, um, something you could show the grandchildren in a couple of and you can al- like COVID, yeah, so. yeah, and you can always say you start in a calendar. You that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, recently yeah. celebrated your first anniversary. We are uh, next Saturday. We're having a little bit of a, a social distance party. Hopefully, the main street doesn't be that day. <laughs> oh, it's ne- uh, it's next Saturday is the first anniversary. Next is it? Saturday, I'm sorry, yeah, my apologies. Um, you could never have known this time last year. No, no, no. But saying that, you know, um, the fun we have in the shop with kids and and. and the adults that come in um, to join people's faces when they, when they pick up an animal, a new animal or something. Um, I do it again. Um, it, it's not really about money for us. It's about entertaining and, you know, uh, having a bit of fun. It, there's very few pet shops left in Ireland that actually sell um, animals live. So we do put a lot of thought into it and we do like a turning up at the rabbit or, or the hamster or something. With the and how, how, many, the how many different animals do you stock, Lyndon? A lot. A lot. <laughs> we'd have um, we'd have parrots um, in stock. Not for sale. Parrots more entertainment. We have snakes, rabbits, tarantulas, um, tarantulas, gliders. Yeah, tarantulas are good fun. Actually, very interesting. Animal. Popular. Um, fifty-fifty. <laughs> what 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 does one do with a pet tarantula? Um, well, in the shop, we call it the mother-in-law gift section. <laughs> um, so, that's why we keep them. Um, um, a lot of people get a lot of entertainment for that when they ask me what they're for. Um, mostly just to show the kids, um, okay. and a lot of older people as well. Basically, what, what is a tarantula? You know, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to go to zoos, etc. So, um, they can see the animals up close in our shop, and they can say, oh, well, I've seen a tarantula in the man like so. Um, and and you've you've snakes. We have snakes. We have two lovely snakes. Well, one not so not so lovely, but one we have a beautiful corn snake. He loves posing with photos with children, um, adults, etc. Um, very gentle little fella. Um, the other fella, he's <laughs> he's reviewing only. I'll put it that way. But <laughs> what, what, what is the other fella? The other fella is a king snake. We have one king snake and we have one corn snake. But they're, um, but they're not, are they not for sale? No, we bring in snakes as we need them. We we sold right, okay. snakes actually in my stock, yeah. And then and I'm I'm trying and so what are you actually selling? A lot of these are just, you tell well, me you're like a little <laughs> mini zoo, which is terrific. We sell, we sell general pet food. Um general pet food keeps us going. That's that's our mainstay. All right. Um and then we bring in animals as we need them. We sell rabbits, uh trotty or hamsters, guinea pigs, stuff like that. Um, and then we specialise in, in, in bringing in, you know, the tarantula, the, the snake that you want, um, the reptiles along that line. So we, we'll sit with you for an hour or so and we'll go through exactly what you want. And are, um, are snakes, uh, as a pet, popular? Yes. Um, I was looking back to the day, actually, funny enough, since we opened the shop, I've actually sold 23 snakes in the last year, which is basically two a month. 
Uh, very, very popular animal. And though we don't sell to under-18s, unfortunately, for snakes, um, it is an adult animal. Um, but very interesting animal, very, very interesting. Um, they sleep most of the day, but they come out at night, so... <laughs> Bit like myself, <laughs> and, then, and then you have to obviously have to be careful. Yes, absolutely. We we give a, a complete guide for any animal we sell, even from hamsters up, um, guinea pigs, anything at all. We give a complete guide Um and we're there as full time backup as well. If well done. Questions or queries or anything at all, there's no problem whatsoever. Well done, well done. You you you're running you're running a great um, uh, shop uh, there. Um, okay, and and the birthday, the anniversary is on a Saturday, where we wish you first a happy anniversary. And in the meantime, people can contact you, uh, but through Facebook as well, people can contact you, particularly if they'd yes. like to get involved in the Naked Calendar. Yes, no problem. Okay. We will stay in contact with you because I'll be dying to see this naked calendar when it's finished. Uh, in so the no meantime, I, I keep I keep a month for you. <laughs> in no the meantime, you stay safe, Lyndon, <laughs> and we'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. A lovely man. That's uh, Lyndon Forsyth of uh, Scruffy's Pet Store in Dunmanway. Earlier on, we mentioned it was Sandra, wasn't it? Was giving a word of warning to she'd be out for a drive and she said people jogging on this gorgeous fine morning to please face oncoming traffic. And she was talking about bendy, windy roads in Westcourt coming around a corner and coming across three joggers all with headphones in oblivious to the fact that there was a car coming behind them John says a herd of cattle with more manners on the road than some of those joggers they should be banned from running on the road says our John some of your texts and calls uh, coming into the programme this I have to say made me smile a text in from Jill who says just a quickie Trish I know you love your lippy I do I love a nice lipstick so I thought I'd give you a bit of a laugh my friend just rang to say I've saved a mint on lipstick during the shutdown because nobody's been out and about. And just when I thought I needed to rush out and buy some new lipstick, we now have to cover our gob so I get to save again. <laughs> which which is true, which is true. I, I thought about that on Saturday as I was applying my makeup on my lippy as I was heading out to do my shopping. I suddenly realised then I was putting my mask on over my, <laughs> over my mouth. And uh, sure, what, what, you really only need to decorate your eyes now, ladies. You can forget about the rest of You don't need to put on any more makeup up really if you have depending on the face mask that you are wearing but that will not stop us still applying our lipstick as we head out and can I also just say Jill I see a text that you sent in earlier that I didn't uh, get to uh, talking about how we're blessed with the wonderful sunshine Jill says I'm just thinking I rarely go to town now as you can't meet friends for coffee and a bite to eat this must be causing a drop in footfall if others are doing the same you could easily spend four to five hours in town before but now it's just gone boring you just go in do your shopping and you're home again is it confined to our area or is this widespread we can't even meet at our local pub anymore says Jill well Jill you can meet because the coffee shops are open the little little restaurants are open you certainly can meet up with your friends and go for a cup of coffee and have a bite to eat now I mean the social distancing and all of that and they're saying we can meet in a group of up to 10 people isn't it as long as you only come from four different households so that means four of your friends could meet and go for coffee, go for afternoon tea, go for a bite of uh, lunch. And OK, your local pub might not be opened, but you could go, this, what is it, 40% of the pubs nationwide are open, any of the ones serving food. I certainly have heard of lots of particularly ladies friendship groups who are meeting up and so excited to be meeting up and, and getting out to meet with their friends because they haven't, in many cases, they haven't met up 
certainly on a social point of view uh, since last March. So yeah, you absolutely can do that and you can meet your friends and, and go for a cup of coffee and, and enjoy it. And we need to be doing it. We need to be going out and supporting the restaurants that are open, supporting the little coffee shops and the cafes that are open. They need our support now more than ever. Um, and thank you for your text about the lipstick. It certainly made me smile today, uh, Jill. And I mentioned that I went for a COVID-19 test the week before last. A listener was saying, was the test painful? Obviously, somebody missed me talk about it last uh, Thursday. Do you know, I was dreading going for it because I'd heard so much about the test and the fact that the swab goes up your nose. The one down at the back of my throat wasn't that concerned about, but certainly the one where they push it up your nose, I was dreading it. So I went, obviously, as soon as I was told by a doctor that I needed to go. Didn't hesitate, but it didn't stop me that night going to bed saying, oh, please, let this be over quickly tomorrow. And I went and I got the swab on the back of the throat done and then I said to... The, uh, it was a, a nurse by the name of Owen lovely lovely guy who dealt with me I said oh I'm dreading this but I'm dreading you coming at me with the big and it was a big long swab going up my nose he said the throat one he said is way worse than the nose one and I said is it he said yeah honest to God so I closed my eyes and pushed forth my nose out the car window tilted it back slightly and it was over in seconds I mean it literally was over in, in seconds I wouldn't say it was painful was it uncomfortable? Absolutely. The swab down the back of my throat was equally uncomfortable. But it's over so quickly that I sort of drove away smirking to myself thinking, why was I that worried about that uh, test? You know, really, it's uncomfortable, I would say, more than painful. But please don't it don't let it turn. If you need, you're told to go for a test, please go for a test. Don't in any way be put off by people telling you that, oh, it's so painful, it's this and it's that, because honest to God, it's not. It's it's not as bad. You build it up in your head, I think, more than what it actually is. So so please don't be don't be put off by it. Okay, some other WhatsApps coming into us. Hi Patricia. I'm texting you about this off license topic. I'm all for the pubs to reopen, but I only want them to reopen when it's safe to do so. I'm not in favour of closing off licences or closing supermarkets that are selling alcohol. What about the thousands of responsible adults that don't go to house parties and can't afford to go to the pubs, the ones with the restaurants that are already open? People that are finding it hard to get through the week, finding money to pay for the children's clothes, all of the household bills, the food, the car costs, etc, etc. Some people can't afford to pay for a babysitter, can't afford to go out and buy new cars, a taxi, let alone go for the cost of a good night out. I'm sure they'd love to be able to go out, but should they be made suffer more by taking away their right to enjoy a bottle or two of wine at home or a few cans of beer at the weekend? People talk about the mental health and how mental health is being affected by COVID-19. It may be the little things like this that will help to maintain one's normality in these times, besides taking something else away from them. I'm writing this message because all I seem to be hearing about is this topic on your show of closing down the off licences for people who are in favour of closing these businesses. I wonder are any of these pub owners? I don't own any of the above mentioned, by the way. Thanking you, love your show and that's from uh, Jimmy and I think Jimmy is speaking on behalf of a lot of people who will say that they got through lockdown and are getting through this rather chaotic period in which we're living by on the weekend having a glass or two of wine or having a can or two of beer 
And Jimmy is right. The majority of people who frequent off licences are when they go to the supermarket, throw in the bottle or two of wine or the few cans of beer. They're doing it responsibly. They're not getting blind drunk. They're not in any way having these big house parties. They're not in in any way passing on uh, COVID-19. They're not abusing children like we heard earlier about uh, with Shailen and that's the majority of people. And Jimmy is right when people are saying close the off licences and let the bars open instead. Why should the majority of people who are drinking responsibly at home, why should they suffer if we were to go down that line if we were to decide to close all the off licences just because we want to stop these house parties. I think, uh, Jimmy, 100% you're speaking on behalf of a lot of people. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. Also coming into us by phone. Oh, uh, Patrick, um, a farmer was on to us to say he's been at uh, a couple of marts this uh, week and he says there was buyers from all over the country and he could not get over that not one person was wearing a mask. He actually said at one stage he felt he was wearing one and he felt like a little bit of a fool because he was the only one wearing the mask so much so that he removed his mask because he felt so silly. He said there was even a man there from Health and Safety. The man from Health and Safety wasn't wearing a mask And the man from Health and Safety didn't say anything to anybody else about wearing masks. Now, I'll get that checked because I don't know when we were talking about when Micheál Martin came out and said all retail outlets must, any member of the public must wear a mask. And it was all shops, supermarkets, retail outlets, all of your shopping centres, etc. I will find out for you, does it include Marts? Because I'm assuming if there was somebody there from Health and Safety, they were there from Health and Safety to make sure that everything that was being done, social distancing and all of that. So I'll, I'll get Bernie to send. Um, the last time we did on masks, we sent a question into the Department of the Taoiseach. I'll get Bernie to send a press query to the Department of the Taoiseach and just see our marts covered because what we got back from the Taoiseach's office was the government agreed that face coverings should be worn by all customers in shops. That's all shops, by the way, including somebody was saying if I'm only popping in for the newspaper. It's all shops and supermarkets across the country. Retail staff also will be required to wear a face covering unless there's a petition between them and the members of the public or where there's a distance of two metres between them and members of the public because I know for some shop workers they're finding it difficult to do, you know, whatever it is, an eight-hour shift. I know there would be tea breaks and lunch breaks but some are finding it difficult to wear a mask. If there is a partition between them, they don't have to wear them for the duration of uh, their shift. But let's let's get it checked with the Department of the Taoiseach's office and see our marts covered because they say... It says shops and shopping centres. It doesn't say marts. Maybe marts are different. I don't know. So we'll get that uh, checked. Hang on. Uh, hold off on that, Patrick, and we will get back to you. And then juror contactors. And this is to do with the people that are saying that they can't wear face coverings because they're either chronic asthmatic, they are affected by some kind of breathing difficulties and they're saying from a health point of view they can't wear a, a mask. Well, she, Jur suffers from COPD and anyone who knows COPD, that is a chronic lung disease and he is actually on inhalers to control his COPD. So he was at his doctor and the subject of wearing a mask came up 
And Gerard started to explain, I find it really difficult because with the COPD, Gerard often needs to cough and he's with the mask on, he wouldn't be able to cough properly. And what would he do in all of that? And the advice from Gerard's GP was when you're in that situation, you leave the shop, you take off the mask and you go out somewhere, you know, down a laneway somewhere, private, back into your own car maybe. You cough, clear your lungs, then put your mask back on and then go back into the shop. Ger says, even though he suffers from lung disease, speaking to his GP, his GP said there is no exemption from wearing a mask. And he said there was absolutely no talk or no suggestion by his doctor that he would give him some kind of a letter that would allow Ger then with his lung condition to go into shops without having to wear wear masks. So, and I give that out because there's a lot of people I think are assuming that all they have to do is go to their GP and that their GP will issue them with the letter. Now, that is not to say that you won't have some GPs or some consultants who may issue letters, but you're going to need to check with your GP, according to Jar. Absolutely no mention of a letter allowing Jar to go into shops and do his business because of his lung disease without having to wear a mask. Thank you for clarifying that, uh, Jar. And then Brian was on to us in Charleville to say he was at a petrol station and today and he counted 12 people. He sat in his car and he watched. He counted 12 people go in to the shop and not one of them were wearing masks and uh, he says why are people being left into shops without masks so it only seems to be from yesterday that people are being you know it seems to be even though got announced last Wednesday and I certainly at the weekend when I was out started wearing masks whenever I went into a shop but it only seemed to be from yesterday that members of staff started to wear them now I would be interested to hear if you were in a shop and this it's tomorrow I think we're actually talking with RG Data as to who actually polices it who actually enforces it and says no you're not allowed into my shop without a mask or not so I would be interested if you were out shopping yesterday or today without a mask on were you approached by a member of staff who was the member of staff what was said to you with regards to the wearing of a mask. So if you have a view on that, uh, can you let us know, uh, please? 1850-333-103. Joan was in Lidl and saw hardly anybody wearing masks. She said, I saw some people only putting them on at the tills. Joan says she spoke with the manager who said they weren't enforcing the wear of wearing of masks there as it was up to individual customers. Joan said it actually made her feel very unsafe that she was told by the manager in the store that they're not enforcing the wearing of masks. It'll be interesting when fines come in, but who's going to enforce it? That's what we're hoping to address tomorrow by speaking with RG Data. 1850 333 103. Lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Carrigaline Country Markets, they are open on Friday. So they're open this Friday from half past eight. And uh, it's on from half past eight until half past uh, ten. Kiskane Parish are holding their collection for Cork Penny Dinners. That's happening next Sunday in the local community centre. They're looking for non-perishable goods. Home baking and cash would all be gratefully appreciated, please. While Churchtown Community Council, they are fundraising 
fundraising to refurbish their community hall and they're asking people to donate a slate please the cost is 20 euro and anyone who donates 100 euro or over will be in for a draw for an Apple iPad that Apple iPad is worth 400 euro you can donate online by going to www.ifundraise.ie forward slash CTS Community Hall and to grow mental health recovery they've developed a six week course entitled Creating Hope and Staying Positive in COVID-19 the programme contains tips and advice on how to deal with the pandemic over the next few weeks you can find out more by logging on to their website www.grow.ie C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And to coincide with the funeral of the late Jack Charlton, which is taking place now in Newcastle in uh, England, radio stations all over the country have been asked to play this as we remember Jack Charlton.
That's Larry Mullen Jr. and the Republic of Ireland football squad and the man himself, the great voice of uh, Jack uh, Charlton. And we did all very much feel that we were part of uh, Jackie's army and we play that to remember uh, Jack Charlton, whose uh, funeral is underway as we speak in uh, Newcastle. May he rest in peace. And we think of his wife, Pat, and uh, all of his family today because they are losing a much loved husband and dad and uh, granddad and uh, we think of them and uh, may Jack rest in peace and yesterday actually to commemorate uh, Jack Charlton's contribution to both Ireland and England on on Post and Royal Mail they collaborated would you believe for the first time ever ever and they have created a stamp in honour of Jack Charlton and the stamp will be used on all stamped or the postmark will be used on all stamped mail in both countries until the 9th of August. And I thought that was a lovely, lovely thing that the Royal Mail and on Post did uh, yesterday. 1850 We were asking people to be alert about joggers and walkers out on the roads uh, earlier and for joggers if you're wearing headphones please make sure when you're out walking or running particularly in rural areas that you're facing oncoming traffic. Jane was on to say, Patricia, would you also please uh, alert road users about animals? There's a lot of animals on the roads as well as joggers and we're trying to keep everybody safe. Thank you for that, uh, Jane. And we've been talking on the programme a lot over the last few weeks about the increase in the number of dog thefts, particularly since the COVID-19 pandemic has started. So I read with interest in the papers today that new laws should be drafted to make it a much more serious offence to steal a family pet than the penalties that are there at the moment. It's a Wexford TD uh, guy by the name of James Brown is with the Fianna Fáil party. He is planning to draft new legislation to give more legal status to dogs and other pets to ensure that those who steal them are given much tougher sentences. Pets are considered property and therefore the theft is punished in the same way as if somebody stole a non-living object, like if your mobile phone was stolen or a power tool was stolen out of your shed. The theft of a much-loved pet is treated the very same way. So this doll deputy, James Brown, says the current law does not reflect the emotional harm that can be caused to victims of pet theft. He said the penalty for pet theft should be much more severe than the theft of a non-living than of a non-living property. And you know, I think he is spot on and I think a lot of people would agree with him on that because the devastation that can be left behind when a much-loved pet is taken away, the psychological problems and the emotional distress caused to people. I mean, we've covered on this programme and we've read about it on the papers as well, you know, things like when therapy dogs are stolen. Um, and the anxiety that that causes to the family, particularly, you know, children living with uh, with autism, for example. So well done. We'll keep a close eye on that. He's going to draft the new legislation. So we'll see what becomes of that. I think he will get a lot of uh, support on that one. OK, back to masks. Mary was in Belgooli, was in two shops in Kinsale yesterday. She she's the only one wearing a mask. And like one of our previous callers, she said she felt like a little bit of a fool being the only one. You see, when everybody's wearing the mask, it just becomes normal and nobody looks funny at anybody anymore. Uh, but 
point of view, the only one in a gathering of other people, some people feel that they look a little bit uh, silly. And Dennis, on the whole issue of the wearing of masks, says, since the legislation is still being drafted, and that's what we're told by the government, that regulations with details on enforcements and penalties are in the process of being drafted and will be published when they're finalised. That's what we were told by the Department of the Taoiseach, because that situation is still on- ongoing. Dennis said it's not being debated, it hasn't been voted on, so therefore it's not a law yet that is enforceable as it hasn't been brought in yet. He said the only place where it's enforceable by law to wear a mask at all times is on public transport. The legislation is in place, but it's not in place for shops as the legislation isn't, isn't in place. It's only a suggestion, says uh, Dennis. And yeah, and I absolutely accept that. But do we have to wait for the legislation to be brought in? If all the scientific evidence is there that... It, This is a tool we can all use to stop the spread of COVID-19. Do we have to wait for the legislation? Do we have to wait to be told you are going to be fined, whatever it is, X number of euros, if you don't wear your mask? Do we have to wait until that happens? Should we not all just, as you say, it is only a suggestion, should we not all just be taking on board the recommendations that are coming from experts, not just in this country, experts all over the world are saying we can limit the spread of COVID-19 if everyone, when we're out in public, in particularly indoors, out in public, like your supermarkets, like your, like your shops, if we all wear face masks, we will limit the spread of COVID-19. Do we really have to wait for the legislation to come in? 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And Mary listening to me talk about that, about that Fianna Fáil uh, TD trying to look for stricter penalties if somebody steals a family pet. Uh, Mary says a pet is part of a family. How right you are. 103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Let's go to Bohobui on this fine sunny Tuesday where I'm joined by uh, Joe Heffernan. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, I'm looking Good to at, hear you. I'm looking out at a lovely blue sky. It just kind of lifts your spirits, wouldn't you, when the weather is nice? Totally. Yeah. Always. Even in the months there, way back, when we had that run of good weather, it made that our lockdown cocooning stuff uh, a bit easier. Yeah, I was looking at AccuWeather and their forecasting, certainly for the bank holiday weekend, which is what the weekend after next, that the weather's going to be quite nice. I think we have a few rainy days in between, but it'll be great if we got a good month of August. Absolutely. At least it would be great. Uh, and today we're chatting with uh, Joe about how to adjust to the new reality and our new normal. Because I suppose at this stage now, you know, while I mentioned earlier, there is a little bit of good news on the vaccine front, but we're looking at like well into next year before we have a vaccine. Yeah. This is now our new normal. We now have to learn to live with this virus and live with this new normal. Absolutely. And to live our lives. You see, there is a certain kind of a safety, if you like, and security with, for example, now people who were asked to do this cocooning thing. And indeed, with all the restrictions. Um, you know, um, if you didn't, if, 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 if you didn't go out, says the fellow, you couldn't be catching the virus. But, as you know, now that the restrictions are lifted to a great degree, shops are open, well, now there's a certain fear and anxiety going along with this new freedoms. Uh, people can be fearful of other people. I, I remember somebody saying to me, I thought it was quotable, he said to me, um, uh, 
other people really are time bombs. Now, I mean, you know, mm. uh, we, we'll have to kind of, um, we'll have to apply a bit of common sense to the whole thing. Um, and but can you, can you, yeah, cause can you understand the people? And yes. we would hear from them every now and again. We'll yes. get a phone call or a text in from somebody who st- still hasn't ventured out or has only yes. gone out once or twice. And yeah. they're just so afraid of yeah. it. Now, I constantly, whenever we get a text or a call like that, you know, I, I say to the person, you know, go out. You still have to live live your life. Yeah. You can l- do your best to look after yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, I, re- I remember seeing a wall poster that struck me at the time, and I always remembered it, that ships in a harbour are safe. But that's not what ships were built for. Yeah. Um. We need to live our lives. Now, we can be, you know, uh, apprehensive. Um, Somebody is too close to me in the queue in a shop. A person behind me is coughing. Uh, There's uh, the one or two people who still won't wear a mask in a supermarket. And that can be, we can be hypervigilant. We can be on red alert all the time. Um, But um, there will be people always who will be safe and there will be always those who are careless. So we need to be somewhere in between. We need to find the right balance, Patricia, for ourselves because we need to live our lives. As you say, this isn't something that we can do for three or four weeks and then it'll be over. We need to learn to to live with this virus for quite some time. And so we need to know our our own um, limits. And we need to have our own little set of rules. Like if I go into the supermarket and it's absolutely jammed, I can choose to go to a different supermarket. Yeah. Or I can go home and and I can try again later. Go back on a quiet, go back when you know it's going to be quiet. It's the same with when people talk about, I know again, there was was some social media about it at the weekend when we had a lovely weekend on Saturday and Sunday and of course families headed to the beach and we had people complaining that there was too many people at the beach. Now, we have wonderful big open beaches. Mm. You should be able to find a place, you know, where you can socially distance away from the next family. But if you go to a beach and it is that jam-packed, then you do a U-turn in the car and you head home or you head to another beach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because um, we we need to not become so fearful that fear is running our lives and that we become almost agoraphobic. Um, we can't very well close the front and the back door, lock ourselves in and say, um, that's it until 2021 or 2022. It's just um, not feasible. And whatever about catching the virus, we will certainly catch a fair amount of mental ill health uh, if if we do that. So the thing is, like, we need to be not careless about COVID-19. We need to do all the correct things that we know about. But we also need to not let fear run our lives. We need to find a balance like that suits us. Um, and uh, if we do that, um, well, then we can find, I suppose, a compromise. It's like the compromise that the whole country is facing at the moment. Um, public health versus the economy. Mm. Um, you give a little here, you take a little there. Um, 
Now, of course, the priority, the absolute priority would be on health. No question about that. But um, life is for living. And uh, and we, we need to learn to live with this. It is, as you say, so gratifying to hear that the Oxford people apparently... Um, are very close. Are very close. Yeah. To, uh, and, and that would really... Um, well, that'll be the big game changers when we get the vaccine. Absolutely. And, and in the meantime, if they can find treatments for COVID-19, fantastic, while yeah. we await the vaccine. But yeah. life will never return to... N- complete normality no. until after we've got a vaccine that everybody in the world has, has been given. Yes. And that's and going to take quite some time. It will. And I mean, people, um, uh, you know, one of our sons now, um, uh, he, he he was doing a bit of work in, in UCC. It's closed down. Um, you know, that's very, very trying. Um, you know, to be stuck and to not know what's going on the leaving cert um, uh, results, um, these are all pressures, and they're big pressures. I really, really, really feel for the young people. Um, Look at all the people who have lost their jobs, um, some temporarily, which is, uh, you know, a blessing, and some permanently. Um, uh, And the difference between this downturn and any other previous downturn that we had... People don't have the ability to say, well, I'll go to England, I'll go to America, I'll go to Australia. Whenever we had a recession in this country, we emigrated a lot of the problems and people went abroad to work. People don't have that this time around? No, no. Now, the only big plus that we do have in this country, I think, in fairness, um, we we do seem to be handling the thing pretty well. Um, I mean, when you you see the, um, the chaos... Uh, in America, the chaos in um, Brazil, um, the the chaos in many of the um, uh, uh, African countries. Yeah. You know, we can count ourselves as um, uh, being not smug, but um, uh, relieved that uh, that things are a wee bit under control. And there's always an answer to stuff. For example, I'll tell you a, a bit of a funny story. Um, I recently have been murdered with um, a bad back, and of course, I'm not exactly young. But I saw a guy doing a bit of work, and we had bushes where we should have um, <laughs> uh, other kinds of uh, things growing. So I approached a guy anyway. He turned out to be a guy called Damon Crowley, um, and apparently they have um, a landscape. Uh, he's a mellow man. And uh, fair play to him. He came in and kind of rescued us um, with a bit of hard work. He stayed at it until 11 o'clock at night. Well, so if you ask, there's always an answer. Do you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah there's always yeah. somebody that, that can solve the problem exactly, that, uh, for, uh, exactly. for you. Because our sons, who are great lads, but um, uh, we, uh, up to recently they couldn't visit us. Um, and that was one of the most painful parts of the whole thing for us. So we find it wonderful um, to be able to now 
visit with them, um, keeping all the safe distances and all that. But at least we can see them face to face. And that's a huge relief as well. And I think what's become the new normal, and and if it hasn't, then it will fairly soon for everybody. You know, when you're heading out the door, you grab your car keys, you grab your phone. You know, the first women, we might grab our bag. Guys might grab their wallet. You'll just start learning to grab your face mask. Everywhere you go, you'll have your mask. That's so true. You'll have your mask with you. And something that I, top priority to me, particularly if we're out and about and we've got um, Marsha, especially his daughter with us, I always have hand sanitizer. And everywhere we go, I have a little bottle of hand sanitizer. Absolutely. And again, times have changed to when we started this pandemic and you couldn't get hand sanitizer for right. the money. Everywhere you go now, there's bottles on sale no and bottle. there's small little bottles that you can keep in, in your bag. You can keep a little bottle in your pocket if, if you yeah. need to. Having said that, shops and yeah. businesses are fantastic yeah. the ways you yeah. enter and well, exit. The, 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 the passenger seat in my car now constantly has um, uh, a little box of the disposable ones and I also carry one that can be washed. Yeah. Um, and there is the little bottle of sanitizer. Um, uh, so, you know, if I stop for some diesel, um, I uh, if I am not going into the shop, if it's kind of, um, or, you know, this contacting, I'm learning all these things now well with the card. Um, well, then I have my little bottle that I can give a rub yeah. to. Um, and then uh, everything is safe again. See, that's all personal responsibility and that's what we need to take. That's and, what and we need to do. Yeah, now, I did hear a story. I don't know whether it's an old wife's tale, but when I started wearing certain masks at the start, my glasses would fog up. Yeah. And I had a real problem with that because God knows I wanted to see where I was going. And um, somebody suggested that if you use some washing up liquid... Um, to, to to wash your glasses before putting them on and putting on your mask, that apparently they don't fog up. Um, another person suggested a bit of the watery type of um, of, of sanitizer. So I don't know whether that works or not now, but I'm certainly going to give it a go because it can be inconvenient for those of us who wear glasses. For it to, to fog up. And I know if you can get one that has something that goes over the bridge of your nose, holds the mask down, yes. that's that's meant to help as well. Yeah. And then this morning, someone was saying with the face, another aspect of the face mask is for us ladies, we don't have to wear lipstick anymore. We're saving a fortune on lipstick. <laughs> right. And then somebody heard me say that and says, it also has an advantage um, for those of us who wear dentures. We can go toothless. We don't need to be wearing our falsies <laughs> when we're in retail situations. See, you can you can turn a negative into a positive. There's always a silver lining, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> uh, there is. Yeah. And then yeah. you know, I, I mean, again, I saw I saw somebody nervous. Somebody's just saying, yeah, listen, listening to yourself and Joe talking there. I am nervous about going out, but having yeah. listened to you today, uh, I'm going to pick up the phone and contact a friend. And I've picked up the phone and contact a friend, and we're meeting for a coffee this isn't afternoon. That and you see, you can do that and do the social distancing it's just looking after yourself absolutely absolutely um another bit of a, a little bit of a negative was we met our sons in Cork the other day and nowhere absolutely nowhere could we find a place where we could go in and sit down and have four cups of coffee um uh you know um if you were having a full meal and um you know, you know, we we tried a hotel or two, and um, 
we said, um, we don't need any alcoholic drink. We're just looking for four coffees. Yeah. No way. We oh, that's up, disappointing. Yeah. Finished up standing on Oliver Plunkett Street outside the centre with four bottles of 7-Up. That's the best we could do. Oh, I'm disappointed to hear that. Because I, 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 I hope that lady now can get in for coffees. I thought all the little coffee shops were open. You could have a cup of coffee and a sticky bun. No, what they were uh, doing in Cork anyway was you could take away your cup of coffee, but you couldn't find anywhere ah, that's to disappointing. sit down that's, and have a cup. That's disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Listen, enjoy whatever sunshine we managed to get out of this sure. week, uh, Joe, and we'll talk again next week. Absolutely. Thank you, Patricia. Bye-bye and look after yourself. That's Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Bohoboy 029-76617 and so many people saying Joe Heffernan is so right. We need to strike a balance. That's what we need uh, to do. Uh, Everyone needs to strike a balance. Ships in a harbour are safe but that's not what they were built for. That's a that's a that's a quote. I think I will remember. Okay, that's where I leave it for today. Thanks to Sadie and to Bernie for taking your calls. We're back with you tomorrow morning at ten. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Stay safe. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.